Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And as always, guys, I have a special treat for us today. We are joined by the CEO and Head of Creativity at Perception Content Media. He is a leader in the digital marketing space and also, dear to my heart, a musician with both Fall of Envy and 364. Please welcome to the show, Michael Baker. Michael, welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Sam. I'm, I'm excited to uh, talk with you today. Man, I've been looking forward to, uh, to hanging out with you. When I saw you were a musician and that came across the feed, I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm going to enjoy talking to this guy because I, <laughs> I spent plenty of time, uh, plenty of time behind a drum set. But uh, for the audience, Michael, go ahead and uh, just let us know exactly who you are and uh, a little bit about you, please. Yeah, so as Sam said, I am Michael T. Baker. Um, I spent most of my life uh, as a musician. I still am. I guess you never stop being a musician, right? But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I now own a digital marketing firm uh, out of uh, just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And mm -hmm. it's kind of funny because I used to make the joke that I was the anomaly, that I moved to Nashville to get out of music rather than what most people do when they're a musician they move to nashville to try to try to be discovered so yeah yeah um so yeah i spent most of my life i've 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 been, spent some time on tour buses traveled the country i've played with many huge artists like guns and roses and papa roach and and nickelback all of those but um i think ultimately that really fed into uh, me eventually starting my own digital marketing firm because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at a certain certain point in uh, musical careers, you 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 realize that it's probably time that that the record labels aren't looking for a bunch of old men rockers, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, it's it's a great way to feed my creativity and 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 to still be creative and find ways to do that. Um, I just do it through digital marketing now. Yeah. Wow. Such a, such a cool story. What, what was it like for you as a teenager coming up and actually making a go of it in music? What was it like for you to get into that industry? Well, so, so the, it's kind of funny. So up until I was six years old, my family and another family were a Christian singing group. And oh, okay. so I remember our tour bus more than I remember our home that we had in Michigan, but my parents, excuse me, my parents uh, realized there was not a whole lot of money uh, in uh, music, <laughs> and it was very hard to raise three children yeah. uh, doing that on the road. And so we moved to Florida when I was six. And um, when I got out of high school, uh, I, I've, I've never been a, a, a school person. I, I'm, uh, you know, I consider myself a decently smart person, but I've never been right. like the the school book the you know that type of smart I, i'm just more of a creative mm -hmm. just outside the box thinking person yeah but i started chasing a music uh career at that point and my parents begged me not to <laughs> and, um but i did anyways and uh back then i'm not going to give away too much of my age but back then you know <laughs> 
I ended up with long hair. I looked really goth and and all of that. But it was it was quite an an experience, and and it really actually was pretty neat because um, up until I truly started going after being a musician, mm-hmm. I was a pretty quiet person and and very very shy, not very outgoing, and uh, being the fact that I was going to be the lead singer. I had to force myself to yeah. learn how to just be on stage and and get into this persona and 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 I, we were putting on a show, you know, we we had at that time my first band. Um, people would come on, we'd get off stage. People would come on like, man, what what kind of kind of weird drugs are you on? I'm like, <laughs> I'm not on anything. I don't even drink. Right. And they're like, what? Like you, the way you were acting on stage. I was like, yeah, it's. it's that's our that's our stage that's yeah. our show yeah it's so, an act, yeah so yeah but it was it was great you know it, it was uh you know i had a lot of fun times i, I ended up in a band um out of gainesville florida and mm-hmm. we were about as successful as you could get without getting a major record deal and toured and and um uh opened up for Gosh, everything from from James Brown to George Clinton P Funk to like I said, Nickelback. We played tons of shows with Creed just to kind of show some dates yeah, there. That's that's awesome, um, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that that really just changed my life a lot and ended up with another band called Fall of Envy and and my solo act. But yeah. Well, so tell me, dude, like what was it like? Cause like I, I had not quite as large a career as you. I did open for some big names. I did tour a little bit. And I, I was about 28 and it came down to, do you want to go back on tour or do you want like a, a house and a mortgage and, and, and all that stuff? <laughs> what was it like for you transitioning out of music and into actually like running your own thing? What, what was that like? And what was making the decision to, to set the music down like for you? Um, I- in the moment of when I decided to say that I was not going to chase the dream anymore, um, in the moment I felt very, I felt at peace about it, mm-hmm. just because I had, I had chased it for so long, and I'd had a, a you know, and this is not me patting myself on the back or trying to brag or anything, but you know, outside of being on a national major label and and being world known i had a very successful career Mm -hmm. um you know i still receive residuals i'm still technically signed i'm signed to a record label uh right now Mm -hmm. um we just don't (laughs) um so so in the moment it was it was i felt at peace and i and i was at ease with my decision Mm -hmm. um now it it is still hard because there are those times when it's like man i i really do miss performing that mm-hmm. was one of my favorite things i yeah. miss performing yeah. i miss being on stage but you know at this point in my life i'm um, i'm married and i've got i've got two uh kids uh, 9 and 7 and and uh you know i i, I can't even imagine what it would be like uh, not being around them. We're around them pretty much every yeah, single day we homeschool. And so it's like, I can't, there's no possible way I could, I could give that up at this point. Those so. are such good ages too. Like they, they really start to come alive at that age, man. Yeah. And our oldest is a, our son. He's, he's, uh, 
he's he's at that age too he's almost 10 so he's he's pushing the pushing the boundaries he's trying to see exactly mm. how much he can get away with so that's that's <laughs> interesting as well yeah. um but yeah i felt pretty at peace about it um but obviously i, I you know we still put out music so mm. i'm still feeding that that itch so to speak and i've got a solo project the 364 and and so I still write and, and still feed that musical itch, so to speak. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I honestly, I felt at peace about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I miss it, but I don't miss the late night loadouts and Taco Bell at three in the morning and <laughs> living in a van. Yeah. Yeah. So man, tell me a little bit about how you got into the marketing space and you know what it was like setting up on your own and, and, and starting your first business yeah great question so you know it's funny to, to kind of loop in all the music stuff um i had all, always been do always been doing um not sure if that's correct english but just make I it had, up as you go along yeah right? it's that's what um, i do so I did all the marketing stuff for all of my bands. I would mm -hmm. do, you know, I would create all the flyers. I would do all the artwork. I would, you know, I would do all of that. But I never even thought about it as doing marketing. I, right, I, just, right. I just did it because it was, you know, what we needed to do to try to, you know, promote the band and mm -hmm. things like that. And, uh, when I moved to Nashville, I worked in a couple of different industries. Um, and one of the industries that I was most recently in was the tech industry. Mm -hmm. and I worked for two separate tech companies and I was actually director of business development for them, but neither one of the tech firms, multi-million dollar <laughs> tech firms, and neither one of them had a marketing department. Wow. And, and I was head of, I was director of business development. And so I knew how much, you know, it's, as you hear, it's sales and marketing, mm -hmm. right? They and at hand, I was like, well, I really need marketing stuff to, to help help my efforts on yeah, the sales yeah for sure um and so i just i just took over the marketing and i just did it even though it wasn't my quote-unquote job right mm -hmm. i just did it and then um coming out of covid um the firm that i was with they changed their whole uh how they were going to grow their business. They mm -hmm. decided instead of opening spots all across the U.S. that they were just going to centralize everything at their headquarters in Ohio and just hire remote workers. Well, I didn't. I didn't fit into that plan. Right, right. I wasn't going to move to Ohio, um, and so I mean, that, who does that? Come on, <laughs> from Nashville to, to Ohio. <laughs> Some people do, but people leave Ohio. Wait, I just mean I've, I've never been to Ohio. I'm sorry, Ohio. Sorry, guys. There's some pretty parts. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, so uh, so we parted ways, and at that point, um, I, you know, I started to look into potentially working with another tech firm, mm -hmm. and I decided since I'd been doing so much marketing stuff, I decided for a friend of mine that I would create some marketing elements for him. Mm -hmm. And I just did it without him asking. And I sent it to him. I said, Hey man, what do you, what do you think about this? And he was like, God, I, I love this. This is awesome. I was like, cool. Can we can I come to your office and talk? And I was thinking that it was just going to be like a little bit of a side hustle, mm -hmm. right? Um, just to give me extra time. I wasn't in a big hurry to jump on with another tech firm, but right, like, hey, right. you know, this would be something I can do to, you know, just bring in some extra income while I'm, while I'm looking and taking my time. 
Well, I went down and met with him, and he owned his own business, obviously. And I walked out of his office uh, with a contract. And as soon as I got to my car, I, I it was like that epiphany, that that just awakening, you know, the angels, oh, type of thing. <laughs> yeah. But I, I got down to my car, excuse me. Um, I got down to my car, I called my wife, and I said, I'm never working for another person again. She was like, what? And I was like, I was like, I'm just going to have my own marketing firm. This, I, it was just that realization. I was like, this is what I love. Mm -hmm. This is what I love, you know, that I really enjoy doing. And it's, it's the creative aspects, all the things that we've already talked about. And so that was, that was it. There was no, uh, <laughs> you know, there was no like long thought out, put together a business plan right, right. and any of that. It was just, this is what I'm going to do. And, and literally that weekend, I, I sat down and in one weekend, I built my, my first website for my business and I was off and running. And that, that's, that was uh, almost two and a half, well, yeah, about two and a half years ago. Dude, that's awesome. I, lo I love somebody that comes in and just takes action. Like regardless of the outcome, like you, you made a decision and said, I'm going to act on it. And you followed through with it. And look, look what happened, dude. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, a little bit of that of doing that and not allowing the fear to set in was because of the fact of how it transpired. Mm -hmm. I didn't even I didn't really give my chance myself a chance to even think about like what I was doing. Right. It was <laughs> yeah. Like, well, this is what I'm going to do and I'm just going to do it. Mm -hmm. And and everything's going to be fine and you know running your own business is easy you know it was and I, and I knew that that wasn't the case but it was almost a little bit of that you know jumping out of the plane and and yeah and, and building the parachute as you're going and and just figuring it out and and so it, it I didn't have any room I didn't even have any time to allow any type of fear or anything to set in it was just this is what I'm going to do and and if I want to uh, live the life that I want to live and, mm -hmm. and provide for my family it's just it's just let's get hustling this is what it's got to be so like you said running your own business is uh, is really easy um <laughs> What, what would you say the biggest challenge that you faced in the first six months was and how did you overcome that and keep moving forward? I think, uh, I think the, the hardest thing I had starting out, um, because of the fact that I, I, I didn't really, you know, if you, if you looked at it specifically like resume wise, mm -hmm. um, if you looked at my LinkedIn and, and looked at all the past jobs, to all of a sudden see um, owner, CEO, head of creativity of a marketing firm. I was mm -hmm. like, okay, where, where, at what point did you have any type of marketing experience? Right, and, right, right. And so having a little bit of that, okay, well, how do I, how do I sell to people and convince people that I can do this for them and I can handle it for them without having really that resume to show them like, Oh, well, I worked at marketing. For right, this firm. right. 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 You know? And so 
So that was that was the hardest thing for me at first. Um, you know, I, I set out, you know, and just said primarily what I what I set out and was going to just do was social media marketing. Mm -hmm. And uh, naturally, as I as I'm calling people and and talking to people and trying to spread the word, like, well, can you do websites, Mike? Yeah, I can. It wasn't really <laughs> my plan right. of what I was going to be my offerings. Um, but so then I added website development and design mm -hmm. uh, to my services. And then, uh, well, what about SEO? Can you handle SEO? Yeah, I, sure, I can handle SEO. And so, um, so that was the biggest, uh, but that was the biggest struggle for me was trying to I, I guess a little bit of that, um, uh, I'm trying to think what the, the term that everybody uses, the, um, when you, when you, when you, uh, question yourself, uh, the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a little yeah. bit of that imposter syndrome was like, can I really do this? Like, is, is anybody going to believe that, that I can handle their marketing for them? And so I think that was the biggest struggle for me in the, those first six months was just getting over that imposter syndrome and knowing like, Hey, I can do this. This is, I can, I can do this. I can handle this. I can run a business. No big deal. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's just like any other challenge in life. It's just, you know, you take it as it comes and, and you figure it out. <laughs> yep. It's just a, a matter of solving the next problem. That's, uh, that's pretty much, yeah. pretty much what it is. So in working with these, uh, with these clients and in working with these business owners, um, let's, let's give a little value to the, uh, to the audience here. What are some of the most common mistakes that you see these guys making in their marketing? Because they're, they're asking you, Hey, can you help with the website? Hey, can you help with SEO? What are some of the things starting out that, that these business owners should be looking at to, to get taken care of? Yeah, man, great question. Um, and uh, not to get deep into sounding salesy here, but um, I made a big shift in my in my uh, firm and how what I what my offerings are because mm -hmm. of what this answer is going to be. And what that is is I I started realizing the more and more businesses I worked with, I started realizing that they were spending these businesses were spending a lot of money to have this beautiful website. Right. Yeah. And they were spending spending money and time to do a ton of social media marketing, um, and do SEO and tr and run you know Google ads and Facebook mm -hmm. ads. But one of the biggest things I started realizing was the foundational level things that a biz every business should do uh, first and foremost before they do anything else. Um, it it was amazing. It was easily greater than 80 to 90% of the businesses didn't have this stuff um, taken care of. And uh, the number one thing of, that I'm talking about here is their listings management. Mm -hmm. So, so when, when somebody goes on to Google and Google's the, the biggest search engine, right? Most right. Businesses, right. When mm -hmm. they're looking for a business. So yeah. let's just say somebody says, uh, you know, um, burger restaurant near me mm -hmm. well when you type that in google has a split second to give you the best possible results that they can mm -hmm. right well of course they're going to look into their own backyard they're going to look at google business profile to see, right, see right. what businesses have google business profiles and all of that they're going to look at the reviews on google business profile all of that but also in that split second they're looking across the entire internet 
to ensure that whatever it is on the Google business profile is also 100% accurate across mm -hmm. the internet. So they're looking at Bing, Yahoo, Facebook, Instagram, X, uh, LinkedIn, um, Better Business Bureau. Bureau. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's, a, it's close to about 50 different sites that Google actually cross-references the information to see if it is 100% accurate. Mm -hmm. And if it is not 100% accurate, Google will actually, I don't want to say they start to de-rank you, but right. they start ranking businesses that have those things that are more accurate higher than you. Mm -hmm. And that's what you'll see sometimes uh, businesses will be 0.4 miles away and they'll be third in, with with a hundred reviews, but they'll be third. But then a business that's one point three miles away that has only five reviews is ranking one or two, and it's because mm -hmm. they actually are Google's ranking them higher because the listings are taken care of across the internet. Right, and right. So that's one of the biggest things that I found that businesses are not doing. They're not getting that foundational level of getting their information accurate across the internet yeah, first yeah. so that when somebody does find their website or when somebody does look for them through social media, when any of that stuff, it's all accurate and it makes makes all of that other, makes the ROI of all the other marketing spend so much bigger. I, I just don't think people realize, uh, Michael, how many directories there, there actually are out there that it's important to be listed on. I know a lot of them, they get the Facebook page, they get the Instagram, they get a Google My Business account. But <clears throat> can you give just a little bit more into the, the directories and what they actually do? Because I don't think that people understand that, that they, they really exist and that Google is using them as a source of cross-checking and confirming information. Yeah, so, so it's... It's, you know, it's the, you got to look at the internet as like the old school yellow pages mm -hmm. and, and, and that's, that's your directory. And, and so, so even though Google uh, is where somebody may be searching for there, the directory is the same thing that there's, there's business profiles on Google. There are all these types of same types of things. You mm -hmm. may not be setting up your own actual business profile on Yahoo Local or Bing or anything like that, right. but they have the business listings the same way. Mm -hmm. um, Yelp is obviously one of the big ones, um, and so and so that that it you got to look at that Google is not just Google. Google is encompassing the entire internet mm -hmm. and, and and every every aspect of where your business should be listed and can be listed it, it, you, or every business everywhere that your business should be listed or can be listed if i can talk right <laughs> uh, should be listed correct get that right. yeah um and and that's that's the biggest thing it's it's even youtube it, and, and not every single thing is is relevant to every single business mm-hmm but you should be going out as, as a business owner and you should go on to Bing and look for your business. And if your business is, is not listed, you need to create a, a profile right? Uh, and, and do that on Yahoo, on, on any of these, these listings as much as you possibly can. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that uh, I think that having those directories properly filled out, it's, it's definitely made a business for a, a lot of my clients and in what what they do as well it's just uh and i first heard about it right at the beginning of covid like i had no idea directories existed and uh you know once we started digging into that it uh, it, it really did help so my next question 
Um, how do you stay like up to date on all of this stuff? Where you know, do do you get help for it? Or because you know, I I know there's a, I, I think the list I last ran off was about 220 of them. But let's say there's a top 50 directories, and then how do how do you stay up to date with that and keep up with the things that the Google engineers are doing? Um, well, I try to, you know, just like any other person within their industry, I'm, um, you know, uh, I would say I'm the foremost expert, you know, there are people that have been doing this for a long time mm -hmm. and, and on a, on a greater scale. And so I rely heavily on, on other people within the industry and and to see what they're saying to s look at their studies um and look at all of those things and, and subscribe to any of those uh those newsletters those blogs uh, listen to podcasts and things like that that people that are talking to the about this these subjects and what's happening and and what are the changes um and so I, I'm leaning on other marketing experts uh, to to hear what they have to say. And obviously, you know, anytime I can be part of a call that has to do with, you know, changes for, you know, what Instagram is looking for. Right, you know, for, right. You know, anytime I can be part of those types of calls, then I, I absolutely take advantage of that. And um, um, but that's that's primarily what I'm doing is is I'm listening I'm listening to the uh, the community itself mm -hmm. because you know it's technically you know we're all competitors, right? But at the right, same time, right. we are we are we're all in this together and trying to figure this out. And the algorithms are constantly changing. Mm -hmm. um, and and I still still hardcore believe that nobody truly knows, even no. even if, no. even if Meta comes out and says this is exactly what we want you to do. It still doesn't seem to work. It's, it's like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. You told me you want five hashtags, but whenever I put 30 hashtags, I get more views. So you tell me why, <laughs> you know. <It's>, so. <laughs> you, you definitely work in the industry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's easy to tell. Uh, which leads me to my next question, uh, honestly. Um, because, you know, there's a fine line with small business owners um, between, you know, running a company and then generating content. And, you know, every company now has to be a media company. Like, it's just, there's, there's no way around it. So when you've got that entrepreneur that's by themselves or got a couple of employees that's looking to get started, what advice do you have for them when it comes to distributing content and, and creating actual content for themselves? I would say the number one thing is, you know, ju just like any other business and, and no matter where you are mm -hmm. in the level of the business, uh, you're, you're creating your ideal avatar, right? Who right. is your ideal um, customer that you're going after? Mm -hmm. And with some businesses, you could get extremely granular to the point of, what type of coffee they like to drink and, and those types of things mm -hmm. and depending on your, your business. Right. Um, but if you can get at least a high level idea mm -hmm. of your primary customer is and, and, and who, and what that is, then you can start putting marketing efforts around that type of, of, of customer. So mm -hmm. for instance, if your primary customer is going to be 18 to 25 year olds mm -hmm. and 
the only place that you're posting social media is on Facebook, then you have a major problem because that is, that's the, uh, and I'm just where the old people hang out. Come on now. Everybody knows that. I fall into the old people categories. Those those kids only go on Facebook to check on their grandparents. That's it. That's that's the only reason that 18 year olds on Facebook, he's checking on grandpa. So, so so exactly. And so it's right though. I mean, it's changed so much. It's changed so much, you know, and it has. And so understanding who your client is Mm -hmm. and where are they most likely to be hanging out? Now that doesn't mean, and and I, and I get it. A lot of, a lot of older business owners, they're just like, I'm not, I'm not going to get on TikTok and dance around I'm not going to, that's not me. I'm not going to be it. No, 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 no. Take some time. If that's where your primary client is, right? 1825 and you Mm -hmm. know they're on TikTok, take some time and get to understand TikTok. And believe it or not, like I I spend time on TikTok quite a bit. TikTok's great. I don't see a whole lot of dancing videos because I've taught the algorithm Mm -hmm. what I want, right? Exactly. And so... And so I don't see that. And that's not what TikTok is. And there's such a great audience for TikTok. Um, and so if that's so that's the biggest thing I would say is understand at least to a decent level of who your who your clientele is. Mm-hmm. Understand where and you can just Google, you know, um, you know, top social media platform for ages 30 to 40. Mm-hmm. And It'll tell you exactly what it is and then start putting your efforts there. Now there's tons uh, my, my firm offers part of part of the packages, a, a social media marketing manager mm-hmm. where you can, you can go in and you can uh, you can schedule out all of your social media posts. So if, if you find out that Instagram's the best place, don't just post on Instagram though. Mm-hmm. You still, it's so easy to make one post and post to all of your social media accounts. There's so many easy ways of doing that. You still want to post to all the social media accounts, but understand where your clientele is and, and tailor those posts to right. that well into right. that particular platform. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So at what point, Michael, would you say that a small business owner should be reaching out and either hiring somebody to do it or outsourcing to a company like yours. At what point would they be at before they should start reaching out for that? Yeah, I I think that's a that's a an internal question that the owner needs to to be answering on their own. And what I mean by that is, I can't tell you when because I'm not around you all day long when you're right. running your. So I can't tell you how much time you're wasting doing things that you could easily hire an expert to do mm-hmm. compared to doing revenue generating tasks. And so um, to me, the the easy answer that I would tell just about every single person, you know, business owner, once I started talking to them is, are you spending any time at all doing social media marketing, uh-huh. any of doing digital marketing yes well then you're spending too much time (laughs) you you should you should be focused on revenue generating things and and there's there's businesses just like mine all around you can find people great people you can find um uh, virtual assistants and people Mm -hmm. that can help you with this that that will help you out um and so 
but but ultimately i think that's what it comes down to is 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 when you're time blocking and you're and you're running your business if you're spending more time trying to figure out how to create the best social media posts um, rather than going out and and interacting with your customers and mm-hmm. clients face to face and building your business and doing those things, um, then you're you're spending too much time doing it. Amen, amen. I'm clap at that. Like you got to focus on those. Well, you've got to focus on the revenue generating tasks more than anything. You got to put your your skill set as a business owner into yeah. its highest dollar per hour uh, uh, task, really. So or on the show but if i did it would be to tell you about the systems and processes i use for running businesses online which you can find in our facebook group over at followsam.live all right back to the interview i wanted to ask you man you know how do you as as an owner and as a team leader what are some of the things you do to manage the the ups and downs in business the good days and the bad days the positive cash flow and the negative cash flow how do you keep track of that and uh, what what are some tips you can give the audience for 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 maybe normalizing their lives a little bit uh heavily drinking <laughs> okay i'm kidding i'm kidding um <laughs> no, All right. I, uh you know uh, I think I think the big thing for that is, um, and, and this is something that I've learned, and, and I'm still learning and trying to teach myself. You know, I mean, as I said before, I'm two and a half years into truly being a business owner, mm-hmm. um, so I, I am not an expert on how to run a business by any means. I have my my personal struggles and my things that I've gone through. That sure hundreds of thousands of other business owners have gone through mm-hmm. um, and there's a but but ultimately what it comes down to is is that exact thing there are so many business owners that are out there they may not be necessarily marketing firms mm-hmm. right they may not necessarily be in the exact industry of who you you may be in right but they the similarities of understanding the ups and downs the ebbs and flows the struggles that an entrepreneur goes through you just gotta you gotta find those good people that you trust Mm -hmm. you you see that their business is flourishing right you don't want to go find the business owner and that you met that that they're they're really struggling to to stay afloat and Mm -hmm. then ask them advice you know go to the ones that are that have been successful that are that are currently successful that that you you can pick their brains i promise you they're going to want to help Mm -hmm. it's it's a great community and so that's what i try to do i i i try to lean heavily on i've got i'm I'm part of some coaching groups Mm -hmm. Uh, i've got a a personal mentor that i can lean on um and, and go to and say hey man this is this is where i'm really struggling yeah and yeah i feel like i've hit a wall I, I i'm two and a half years in and and i'm i feel like i've plateaued like everything's just flattened and and i'm not growing and I, am i missing something you know and mm-hmm. so being able to just have a good group have have three or four great people um that you can communicate with, get at least one great mentor, um, and 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 lean on them and ask them for advice. Hey, I'm going through this. Did you mm-hmm. ever go through this? Like, yeah, 
Absolutely. Matter of fact, <laughs> did you know about this app? Did you know about this? I mean, this that, that, handle that for you. Like, no, I had no idea. Like, that's yeah. what we're doing here. You're mentoring the audience. And, and even though, you know, even though you're a few years in, there's still hugely valuable lessons that you've got. And you are, you're mentoring uh, the audience right now, Michael, that's, that's what you're doing. And so, man, I, I sincerely appreciate the, the time and the lessons that you're providing. So um, I think a lot of us, myself included i i didn't hire a coach until 2018 and it was one of the most uh, amazing shifts in my fortunes and in my business and i think a lot of us as entrepreneurs think that we can do it better than anybody that think that you know we, we come into it maybe with a chip on our shoulder and so you there reinforcing the lesson of how humility is important and understanding that you can go and hire people to actually train you in the things that you think you're good at but in reality there's there's always somebody out there that can uh, can make things a little bit better for you yeah and i think the key word that you just said there sam was huge the humility mm-hmm. because being able to have somebody that you can be very honest with with and and be humble and say i am struggling mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm i need some help figuring this out and just having the humility to to admit that um is huge because it, it, that's hard to come by in your 20s like when you're bullet, you're bulletproof, right? You you got to yeah. be you got to be shut down a few times. I think I I certainly needed the corners knocked off me. Um, to I had to learn humility uh, through failure. So uh, if part of my purpose now is to is to encourage young entrepreneurs to be humble and to go and seek out those coaches before they need them. Yeah, and and. and- failing is not the end of the world no i mean there you know it's been said you know a million different ways and i don't have like that you know put it on a social media post perfect quote but ultimately (laughs) when you when you fail you you, you're you're either doing two things you're doing one of two things Mm -hmm. when fail you're either quitting or you're learning correct and so when you fail you have two choices Oh, I failed. I quit. I'm not. I'm not doing it anymore because I failed. Or you can learn, and you can get back up and say, "Okay, I learned from that mistake. I'm not going to make that mistake again." Hopefully, mm-hmm. you learn from your mistakes, and then you get right back at it. Yeah, dude, I, I quit like twice a week, but there's nothing. Else. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to do anything I quit else early by this point. Today. I don't. I don't know how to do anything else. I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck with it now. <laughs> I quit earlier today than I was like, oh man, I'm I'm supposed to be on with Sam. I got I got I got to buck back up. <laughs> Shit happens, dude. So yeah, talking of that, now we've been down some of the failures. What are some of the things that you love now about running your own business, and what are some of the things that these guys can be looking forward to? Yeah, I would. Man, the the biggest thing that I love is and there's always going to be that level of of uh stress so to speak of needing to make sure right mm-hmm. like, I'm a provider I need to make sure that there's financial <laughs> gains coming in yeah, to take yeah. family but but I I I've stopped focusing on whether or not um I'm successful based on whether or not I have a 25 million dollar firm mm-hmm. or what not i'm i'm able to just simply provide for my family in a comfortable way and i stopped putting a level on that and really started focusing more on what i consider to be freedom 
And, right. and to me, where where I'm really finding the most joy uh, in all of this is understanding that I, I'm by being an entrepreneur and as much as I hustle and as much as I work hard is if, if I, if my kids come to me in the middle of the day mm-hmm. and say, Hey, can you, can you spend an hour with us? I have the ability to do that and, yep. and I have the freedom to do that. And so to me, it's the freedom to live the life that I want to live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for some people that freedom is, it comes once they're at that $25 million firm. Um, some people it's less than that. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it, I think it's coming to a realization of, of what is, what is most important? What are you really striving to gain out of being a business owner and yeah. an entrepreneur and, and understanding that, you know, I don't have to be Vayner Media mm-hmm. in order to be considered successful. Right, I'm not right. striving for that. Right. I, I'm, what I'm striving to do is is to rest my head at night knowing that my kids have their father around. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife, I, I can be a good husband. Um, but not only that, but the businesses that I'm helping are small businesses that, that have struggles and, and, and need help without having to um, break the bank in order to get that help. Right, and right. So, so that's, that's what I truly enjoy is, is just the fact that I'm helping and, and but mm-hmm. spending that time uh, with my family, like you said, my, like we said earlier, my, my son's almost 10. Right, you know, right. I'm more than halfway to the point I'm past the halfway point mm-hmm. of when he turns 18 and just like every 18 year old, they're gonna, he's going to want to go live his own life. And yep. I've already, I've already lost half of that. So yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. No, but. I, absolutely, man. I think it's really important, Michael, to, to just reemphasize that like your definition of success is what you make it. It's yeah. not what everybody else says. And, you know, sure. I'd like a Lamborghini. Yeah. But, I'd like a few cash flow in commercial buildings more. Um, I'd like to be able to take my dog on a walk down the lane uh, and not worry about what time it was. You know, like there's stuff like that that's more important to me. And, you know, when I've got multiple commercial buildings, I'm sure I'll get a Lamborghini. But the point is, I'm as successful now as I've ever been, and it feels great. And yet when I stop and think about it, am I where I want to go? No. But I've achieved my definition of success. And I think that far too many of us watch the guys on the internet with the rented cars and they feel as though if they're not producing you know a million dollars a month in revenue they're failures whereas in reality you know, if they're taking care of business and they're taking care of their family and the people around them then ultimately no matter how small they are a success yeah absolutely and i think a big part of that and i'm, I'm sure you know you you've done the same thing sam and and what that is, is, is setting attainable goals, Mm -hmm. right? If I set a goal that I'm going to be as fast as Usain Bolt, Mm -hmm. I will never accomplish that goal. It's just reality. I'm a 50 year old man. (laughs) That is, that is, was maybe, you know, like the uncle Rico. I was, uh, I was decently fast when I was in high school. Right. Right. But, but the the goal of me being as fast as Usain Bolt is never going to happen. Now I can set a goal 
to be the fastest Michael that I right, can be. Right, 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 yeah. But it's but setting those attainable goals that you can say, okay, by the end of this year, okay, so we're already in October, we're in yep. the Q4, yep. right? By the end of Q4, I'm going to set a goal that it, I'm, I'm going to have to hustle mm-hmm. to get it, but it is an attainable goal if I really do these things and put these yeah. things in. And then when you hit that goal, you can say, okay, I was able to, you know, whatever it is, let's say uh, my goal is to bring in an extra 50K in, in, in gross revenue by the end of uh, this new gross revenue by the end of Q4. Right. Well, then Q1 starts, you're like, man, I hit that goal. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, I got, I, I got 65 instead mm-hmm. of 50. Well, now your Q1 goal needs to change and it needs to be 75. Yep. You, you've realized that you can reach that goal learn from those mistakes like we were talking about mm-hmm. now set your goals higher and higher and higher and just like you said you you've hit you you've hit the success that you wanted but now you've hit that success and you're saying okay cool now i'm going to set a new goal for myself <laughs> not because i failed not because i didn't reach anything it's because i've reached here and now i want to go ahead and get yeah. that real estate and in order to do that, I've got to set a new goal. What changed it for me was setting literal 90-day targets and tracking yeah. tracking everything I was doing and, and breaking it down into, into bite-sized pieces. And if it wasn't a priority, it didn't get looked at in those 90 days. It got pushed, and we, we would pick it up again. And I, I, you know, I'm halfway through, almost, almost finished with my second set of 90 days. And the stuff that I've done in the last six months, it's, just, it, it's, it's blown my mind how much I've been able to get done just by breaking it down into those bite-sized manageable goals and uh the only goal i've got left this year is to graduate school and uh, and, and take a month off <laughs> that's that's what because q q1 is going to be nuts next year like this is but do you I, time block absolutely yeah 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 i'm, I'm learning i'm trying to learn how to do better with that now my uh, one thing we haven't talked about and we don't we don't have to get into it but i travel the country full time mm-hmm um, and so that creates a, a unique challenge for time blocking because right. um, on a random Thursday, I could be traveling for three and a half, four hours. So it's it's difficult for me to say every Thursday at a certain time, I'm going to handle X. Um, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm learning about time blocking and trying to get better at that. So what I do, I, I used to do that like every day. Thursday at such and such I'm doing so and so um but what I do now is look at the stuff I want to do during a week and then I have fixed times for stuff and then I have flexible times for stuff so my mornings up until about eight o'clock in the morning eight thirty in the morning are fixed I do a specific set of things from about five o'clock when I get up to about eight thirty and then at eight thirty to, to, to noon is flexible but kind of sort of fixed and that's when okay. I ha- that's when I handle a lot of the the business tasks, a lot of the meetings, a lot of the phone calls, a lot of the uh, delegation, a lot of the checking on stuff. Um, but it's flexible, so they're office hours, and they're blocked for specific things, but they're flexible, so I can juggle them around day to day with what he's doing. And then after lunch is is podcasts and more meetings, and then I take off uh, from three to about five thirty every day uh, to to do my boys and be with them and then um after six o'clock i i block school and so like workouts are blocked every day like reading is blocked every day like stuff like that 
but as far as like if you're traveling around a bunch just know when you're traveling and, and I just I just move that stuff I have flexible windows that are like semi-rigid where I know I'm doing this work in the morning but I don't know exactly which time in the morning I do it and then that's my three hour block to, to do whatever you see okay you'll have, <laughs> you'll have to email me uh your your high level overview of, of how you're time blocking because i'd love to see that i'm, I'm uh, like i said i'm trying <laughs> to get better at it and i feel like i do okay let, let um, me give you the i'll give you the ten thousand foot overview right write down all the shit you want to do this week look at your calendar and put it on there that's, that's <laughs> it <laughs> that's it that's the overview yeah, right. Right. if i don't if i don't write down all the things i want to accomplish that week i just kind of go through the week with with when the phone rings, I answer it. But if I write down everything I want to accomplish and then look at my calendar, I go, okay, I can work on that. Then I can work on this. Then I can work on this. Then I have my rigid stuff. Podcasts, as you know, it's it's almost quarter till two right now. I record my podcasts at any point in the afternoons between one and four o'clock, right? But once that podcast is scheduled, I move the rest of the stuff around it and I still get all my stuff done. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, that's one of the things, just like what you said, it, it, one of the biggest things for me is it's, I, I and once again, I, I, I say this humbly, uh, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody, but I have this huge desire to constantly want to help yeah, and to yeah. always be there for my, for my clients. And one of the things that I've had to learn is at five o'clock, well, I've got, I've got clients ranging from California to right, right, right. I, I literally covering the entire U.S. I've got clients everywhere, and so within reason, most of the most of the time I'm not hearing very often from my clients in California. They understand mm -hmm. I'm, I'm usually Central or Eastern uh, on on average, but um, but I'm trying to get better that at five o'clock business stops for me like right like, right right i i have to treat it as if i'm walking out that office proverbial office door right and i'm closing it and we will be open again at nine o'clock in the morning so that i can turn off that sort part of the brain and be able to focus more and be present with with that's so life. important that that's so important that like what I do, Michael, is I specifically schedule time. Like, this is what I'm doing, like, right this minute. Like, and I block out time for my kids. Because if I don't, what I found was happening was, you know, I'd, I'd pick my kids up from school and I'd bring them right back to the office and I'd just keep working. I don't spend any time with my kids at all. And so I've got guys in uh, East Coast, West Coast as well. And so sometimes in the evenings, I'll have, instead of school, I'll have, I'll have, business calls with the, the the west coast because you know five o'clock my time is still it's three in the afternoon over there so you know we can get stuff yeah. done but i i find with time blocking dude it's it's the same as everything you write out your priorities you say these, these are my priorities and you put your kids there and you put your wife there and you put your whatever like this is my you know priorities and you make sure that the everything else runs around those priorities because you'll find that within your business there are priorities there are necessities and then there's a whole lot of stuff that isn't really that urgent and you treat it as urgent at the detriment of the relationship with your family yeah and, and one of the things that i'm i'm having to learn and i'm getting coached on uh quite a bit um is is setting those parameters with clients mm -hmm. and, and and being doing this in a nice way, but uh, as as soon as you're you're allowing that you know that one client 
to contact you at 7.30 p.m. on a Saturday night and you respond, well, now you've opened up that that door to say, yes, I'm available at 7.30 p.m. on Saturday night. And being able to do it in a nice way, but with your client and saying, hey, these these are the block hours. And, and even if they want to text you or email you or whatever at that time, let it, helping them understand, hey, this is family time. I will I will get on this unless it's an absolute emergency. Like, hey, our website's not our website's down, you know. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, but there's certain things that I'm trying to say. I've just finished the book recently. The 10x is easier than 2x. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that's what this is all. That book talks about is how to do set those the time blocking and and how to handle those things and how to. Um, what was there was another book that I read as well that talked about um, setting up certain types of email replies that set the parameters and just put it in a nice way of how your your business is ran. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just tell them. Like, yeah, I just I just tell them this is this is how I work. Like, and yeah. and it's it's never been a problem if if you set a boundary initially. And like, yeah, dude, my favorite thing. Um, so. I uh, I came off the internet in 2017. I started selling real estate for a little bit. And uh, I did very well at real estate for almost five years before I realized that I loved the internet far more than real estate. <laughs> and, but like clients would text at like, you know, midnight asking dumb shit. And so how I stopped them from doing that was replying at 4.45 a.m. when I woke up. Like you just yeah. like I just set boundaries with people, and I I learned like I understand how difficult real estate clients can be, um, and I much prefer business clients. And my clients now, they only work you know Monday through Friday. They've got businesses, and they're not asking me for stuff on the weekends. And you know if they do, then it's generally by text, and it's generally a, hey, do you have a second? And if I'm busy. I won't reply. And if I'm not busy, sure, I'm not doing anything. Like, But no, you have to set those expectations up front with them. Otherwise, you'll find that you've got a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week like hotline in your pocket that these clients yeah. just won't leave you alone. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But that's how it goes. Michael, um, we are coming to the end of our time together today, mate. It's been, uh, it's been great fun hanging out. I just have a couple more questions for you before I let you go. Um, cool. So the first one is one I ask like everybody that comes on the show. So the podcast is aimed at guys that are a, a few years behind us in both age or in uh, in business experience. And I wanted to ask you, you know, if you could go back right now and talk to an entrepreneur that was uh, maybe maybe five, maybe ten years behind you in the journey, what's one piece of advice that you'd want to give them that stands out? I would say. Um that if if you if you have even the slightest bit of thought that that you can do this and that that it's something that you want to do allow that thought to overtake all of the rest of the doubting thoughts that you might have um and let that encompass you let the that even if it's one percent of you believes you can do it and 99 percent of you has that imposter syndrome let the one percent take over <laughs> i love that you will. yeah because you can flip it very quickly it's kind of like the the saying of if you're having a bad day 
force mm-hmm. yourself to smile. Yeah. You, yeah. Naturally, you know, your brain will start saying, Hey, I'm not in a bad mood. I'm so force yourself to understand that if you, you're, if you're already at that point that you have even the slightest thought that you can do this, you can find the right people to surround yourself with, to give you the advice and just, just get after it. Yeah. I love it. That's some solid advice. And, uh, it really is. Uh, you just have to ignore that imposter syndrome and just go for it and uh, build it and see what happens and learn and grow from there, right? Yeah. All right, mate. Nobody has it figured out. Nobody has it 100% <laughs> no, figured out. No, no. We're all just here doing a little bit better than yesterday. That's really, yeah. that's really the secret. That's as, the goal. as long as you're improving on where you were at yesterday, you'll make it in the end. Um, Michael, one last question, mate for the people that have enjoyed listening today and that want to learn a little bit more about you and uh, what you do over there at perception content media what's the best way to follow you and get a hold of you online and where can they listen to your music yeah um so just as you said so perceptioncontentmedia.com mm-hmm. um you can find my website there and and learn about um everything that we do uh and um you can message me there of, of course, you can uh, find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, that's probably the uh, easiest general area that most business people are going to be. So you can mm-hmm. find me on LinkedIn. It's Michael T. Baker. Uh, we talked about that a little yeah. bit before we started recording. But yeah. yeah, Michael T. Baker. But if you look up Perception Content Media as well, you'll find me. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. And I will say this um, also before I tell you the, the music thing. Uh, so Sam, anybody who's listening today, and we had talked about, um, uh, yeah. understanding how, how your business is listed accurately across the internet. Mm-hmm. I've got, an, uh, what's called an online presence report. Now I typically charge, uh, $499, $499 for this report. Mm-hmm. Um, so in depth and, and you can take this report and you don't, you can just apply what it's telling you to do all on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but anybody who is listening to your podcast, watching your podcast and messages me with small business surgeon, uh, in the message, I'll actually give them that online presence report for free. Oh, so dude, that's awesome. Pay, yeah, man. So anybody who wants to see exactly what their business is, how their business is viewed by Google and consumers mm-hmm. online, message me. Just mention your podcast, and I'll do that for free. You should, uh, yeah, you should totally take him up on that, guys. That's uh, that's a great deal there to get your stuff looked at. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for kicking that out, Michael. I appreciate it. Yeah, that. man, absolutely. Um, <laughs> like I said, I like to help, um, and, and this is a good way to do it. And um, and then as far as the band, uh, the my my band, we actually just released another song. We got some more music coming out, but it is called Fall of Envy. F A L L O F E N V Y, and um, yeah, it, literally every single streaming platform that you can think of, uh, we're on there. Um, that's the well, you know, that's that's kind of going back to getting the people that that know how to do this stuff. So we're still yeah, signing yeah. record label, so it's nice. I can we can just write the music, record it, send it to them, and and they handle all that stuff. So man, that's, uh, I'll be sure to go check that out. I'm uh, I'm into a little bit of rock, so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to going and checking that out, man. Awesome, yeah, I appreciate it, guys. 
Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. I really appreciate hanging out with you for the last hour. Guys, um, that was Michael T. Baker. Like I said, he's the head of creativity over at perceptioncontentmedia.com and a musician with the fall of envy as well. So please, if you have enjoyed the show, run on over to his website, grab yourself one of those analyses of his and uh, maybe send some business his way because I like this guy. All right, that's going to do it for the show for today. You'll be good. Stay safe. And I will see you on Friday with this week's episode of Friday Fire. Peace out. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show for today. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the conversation that we've had and you want to learn a little bit more about the systems and processes involved in running businesses online, join our Facebook group over at followsam.live. All right, that's it from me for today. You'll be good. Stay safe and I'll see you next week.